Welcome to today's audio podcast, a sermon teaching from Grace Bible Church of Akron. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of GBC and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at gbcakron.org. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at gbcakron.org. That's I-N-F-O at gbcakron.org. Also, if you would like to support Grace Bible Church, you may do so by visiting gbcakron.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. Bow your heads with me. We'll start this off in prayer. Lord, um, we just come to prayer as a church and we just ask that our hearts are softened to hear your word. Lord, we pray that... um, you know, the message delivered today is one where we can learn, but not only just learn, but we can apply to our lives. I pray that we learn more about the fruit of the Spirit and what peace is like in our lives. We live in a very hectic, anxious world, and Lord, I just pray that this message can help us learn more about peace and that we can seek peace in our lives. Lift all this up to you. Amen. So, I'll go ahead and start off with a classic sermon opener story. When I was in third grade, well, I guess even now, I still have a really low scare tolerance. A lot of the students here probably know this. I've been snuck up on multiple times, grabbed by the shoulders and scared, and I will scream every time. This has been a character trait of me since I was a little kid all the way up to now. I just don't do well with fear or being scared. And this was especially true in third grade. I remember being in the classroom in third grade, and it was story time, and I was particularly excited because I love to read. Reading is one of my favorite things to do. And the teacher got this book out, and it involved a girl who was misbehaving, and she came down with a sickness. And this sickness caused her to transform into different household objects. It was very, very strange, and also very artistically drawn to the point where I was rather terrified of this book. Not that I was terrified of misbehaving because my parents are very kind and they would never yell at me or do anything like that, but seeing a girl be unwillfully transformed into a house plant was not something I was mentally prepared for that day going into school. So anxiety, I looked up the definition of anxiety, and it says that anxiety is distress or uneasiness of mind caused by fear of danger or misfortune. I thought that was a bit of a mouthful, so I kind of prefer what Christian rapper Andy Minio says, anxiety is fear mixed with control. So the following weeks of that book being read, I tend to consider kind of my first bout with anxiety. I remember going into the classroom and the book would sit up on kind of the ledge looking over the class, and of course the seat I sat in, I had a direct line of vision to that book, and every time I was doing my math homework, I would want to look away from it in class because I do not like math, and I would see that book looking at me, and I would just get very anxious. I did not like that book. I did not like seeing it. I did not like the contents inside of that book, and it terrified me, and as any classic boy does, he doesn't tell his parents about it. I went a couple weeks kind of silently suffering in my mind. But I remember one night at a Boy Scout event, it was a totally normal event, doing just all the normal things, and I just started bawling my eyes out. Because it was at that point, my anxiety just broke, and I could not contain it anymore. I remember my mom driving me home, 
and I had to work up the courage to tell her why I was so anxious, and I feared the creepy images in that book, and I could not control the situation or make it stop. Needless to say, anxiety was never a part of God's creation. Anxiety entered the human life when sin became entangled in humanity, which I tend to believe in Matthew 6, 25 to 34, Jesus tells us to not be anxious about our lives. See, if Jesus said we weren't to be anxious over our lives, I would lean to think that anxiety was not part of God's creation. In the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve were enjoying the splendors of God's creation, nowhere did it say that they were anxious or worried about anything because God provided to them everything they needed. So I would lean to say that anxiety was not a part of that, especially because Jesus tells us to not be anxious. I remember one day while wrapping up dinner, I saw a commercial for an app that helps you relax and unwind because it is 2022 and there is an app for everything. It says, focus on one thought for 15 seconds, and there's a big timer on the screen, nose counting down. So I decided, okay, I'm going to play along. I sat there and I thought about my car and driving my car and how much fun I like driving my car. And as soon as those 15 seconds were over, I went right back to worrying about the multiple exams I had coming up, and I thought, wow, that did not help me at all. So there's a lot of options for quick fixes to anxiety, but none of them can build a foundational strength to overcome anxiety. And like I said, there is a lot of anxiety in our world right now. Just open up the news. I don't think I need to say anything more than just open up the news. You will be anxious about something when you read the news. But thankfully, the Lord knows we would be struggling with anxiety, and he has prepared us with different ways to truly defeat the anxiety we have in our lives. As we've been talking about in this sermon series, the fruit of the Spirit are characteristics that Paul lists believing, Paul lists for believers in Jesus having. And as we've been working through, we've talked about love, we've talked about joy, and I think the next fruit of the Spirit characteristic is what I believe to be the solution to anxiety in our lives. This aspect of the fruit helps us overcome the difficulties of life, it helps us guide other believers into truth and it heals the community of believers around us, not even just in this church, but the worldwide global set of believers. So today we're going to be talking about the next aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. Stop if you've heard it said yet today, peace. So what exactly is peace? There's a lot of ideas about what peace is. Some people think it's the app you can download. Some people think it might be taking a walk in the park. But as the Bible has, the Bible has a definition for all this kind of stuff. So we're going to spend a little bit of time right now. We're going to go through and define peace together. So I think for your first, first little bullet point here, it says God is the source of peace. God is the source of peace. So John 14, 27 is kind of where I found this first definition of peace. It says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So Jesus is saying here that he leaves us with his peace. Not a quick fix peace, or a worldly peace, or a peace that we create ourselves, but this is Jesus' own peace. And in a few minutes, we're going to be, we're going to really kind of take an in-depth look at what Jesus' peace looks like. But let's take a second and think a little bit more about what Jesus said, not as the world gives. So the world, the world will give by a false peace of financial stability, 
a false piece of a new job, the false piece of a safe retirement account, the false piece of government, even the false piece of that dream vacation you've always wanted to take. These things might give you a piece for five minutes, 15 seconds, as the app said, maybe a month or a summer or a year. But these are all false pieces. You know, a retirement account can quickly go under if you invest in cryptocurrency. A vacation can quickly fall apart if your flight gets canceled. A job can fall apart if the company goes under. Your finances can just go crazy all of a sudden. There's a lot of ways that this worldly false peace can go wrong. But what doesn't go wrong is Jesus's peace that he gifts to us. As the Bible says, and we know that God loves to give his believers gifts. And one of those gifts is his very own peace that does not change. It does not go with the wind like what the world does. And that's, I also want to say too, that doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't bless us with employment or financial stability or other material needs. I've been in situations where there's just been something I needed and God has given it to me. There are situations in which I know people that were in need of a job or finances and Jesus has given to that. But I think it's kind of a heart situation. You know, look at your heart and if you are reliant upon your job or your finances more than you're reliant on Jesus in your life, I think that's kind of a signifier that maybe your peace has found the wrong thing. So, secondly, this kind of leads us into the second point in quote-unquote defining peace, is that peace is only given to us through God's grace. So James 1.17 says that every good gift and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So when Jesus says he's giving to us peace, that's not because we've done something that qualifies us to get that peace. You know, we didn't, it's not like Jesus is standing over here with a laundry list of check marks going, okay, you prayed to me this morning. You didn't do that thing I didn't want you to do yesterday. You did. Jesus doesn't stand here with check boxes making sure that we meet all the requirements to get peace. Jesus gives to us peace because Jesus loves us and he wants us to have peace. We receive peace solely from God's grace and the love he has for us. Our faith is not a faith of works. Our faith is one of loving and trusting in Jesus. You know, our world is very equivalent exchange, as I've heard many times. We have incredible access to sending money back and forth. I could tell my watch right now to send my friend $15 and it would send I have an incredible ability to receive money from people and I can send it right off to my bank account. But I think one thing our world doesn't necessarily understand is that we have a God that gives to us freely and we don't have to do anything besides ask and trust him. And I think that is kind of a foundational aspect that is really groundbreaking in today's society, especially when it comes to the fruit of the spirit as it grows and develops in us. Knowing that this is something that we don't grow but Jesus grows through us, and all we have to do is just submit to him and just listen to him. There's no qualifications. There's no check marks. There's no things we need to follow or do exactly every single day. Jesus just loves us, and he just wants to give this to us. And all we have to do is just say, Lord, I surrender my life to you, and I want that peace, and Jesus will go, here you go. Lastly, point number three in this section is that God oversees all peace. God oversees all peace. So not only is God, like I said, the source of peace and giver of peace, but God actually controls the peace. You know, God just doesn't 
hand the peace and say, all right, here you go, see you later. No, God actually controls and watches over this peace in the world. So I won't dive fully into this. I think this could be an entire sermon in of itself, just looking at peace. I've spent several class periods online listening to professors talk about this, and this is a very long kind of explanation type thing, and I'm not even sure I fully understand it yet. But I think you can kind of find this in the Old Testament in Leviticus 26.6. It says, God says that I will give peace in the land and you shall lie down. None shall make you afraid. I will remove harmful beasts from the land and, they, and the sword shall not go through your land. Yet also in Second Chronicles 16.8, it says that in those times there was no peace to him who went out or to him who came in, for great disturbances afflicted all the inhabitants of the lands. So in the Old Testament, we see God both providing peace and taking peace from his people. Now, the peace that he is bringing and taking is a little bit different. That's more of a national peace. That's more of a peace for the time of Israel. And as the Old Testament says, Israel was kind of up and down in their faithfulness to the Lord throughout the time. And the peace that God gives to us is kind of a more like internal peace through the Holy Spirit. God will not take that from us, as Stephen has kind of shown us the past two weeks but I think it's just important to know that God does manage and control the peace. He just does not distribute it. God is the distributor and the manager of that peace in our lives. So earlier I had mentioned how Jesus will give to us the very peace that he has, and I said that in a few minutes that we're going to be taking a look at it, and now we have met that few minutes. So it might be kind of funny for me to say that Jesus had an encounter with anxiety, and I'm not going to say that Jesus was succumbing to anxiousness, but there was definitely a moment in the Bible where Jesus was faced with a temptation to anxiety. Since Jesus is the Son of God, fully divine, he did not give in to this sin of anxiety, yet Jesus also, we should remember, is fully human. It would be, I think, a bit outlandish to say that Jesus did not come to moments where his human flesh was tempting him with anxiety. And I think one of the most notable places in which Jesus faces anxiety would be in the Mount of Olives when he was preparing for his crucifixion. So I'm going to read over Luke 22, 39 through 46. So verses will be on the screen. You can just go ahead and follow along there. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn to that. It says this, and he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to his disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. So Jesus went out to pray at the Mount of Olives in preparation for his crucifixion. Jesus knew that his coming death and suffering was happening. And understandably so, that would be rather scary. He was, and scripture says too that he was in great agony over bearing our sins because I think God revealed to him what would happen. He knew, Jesus knew, that he was going to be put up on the cross. It was going to be a very brutal Roman death. 
It was not going to be pretty. It was not going to be easy for him. But not only that, but the spiritual weight of bearing all sins of people past, present, and future. That, on top of what Jesus was physically going to go through, I think that would at least cause some anxiety. And it even says in Scripture, like I said, Jesus was in great agony. He was in agony to the point where his blood vessels had bursted inside of him and the blood was mixing with the sweat. And there's actually a medical condition. Uh, I'm not even going to really try to pronounce this word because it's kind of crazy. I think it's hermatridosis. It's very rare, but it is actually where the blood vessels dilate and burst. You know, so I don't even think this is necessarily a metaphorical, like, blood drops of sweat falling off. I think it was a literal thing that happened. Because the amount of suffering and stress that that must cause for Jesus, a perfect being who had no sin in his life, to hear God the Father tell Jesus, hey, in this sacrifice, you're going to become sin and bear sins of all people. That's like two magnets that are polar opposites having to be pushed together and touched. Those are two, like Jesus and sin do not mix together, but God was telling Jesus, hey, you are going to become sin in this sacrifice, but also it's going to be a very brutal, a very awful thing for you to go through. That seems extremely stressful, extremely anxious, if I might even say. And I don't think we'll be able to fully understand this because as humans, we've been born into the curse of sin. We are actually, our bodies and our minds are used to sin. But Jesus, being somebody that has never sinned before, recoiled at the thought of having to succumb to sin. He recoiled at the thought of being a sacrifice that bore the penalty of sin. And even Paul, later in Scripture, writes about how Jesus was born into perfection, but then was forced to succumb to sin by the will of the Father. So I think this leads us to our first point in observing this, is that anxious situations become peaceful situations only by help of the Holy Spirit. Despite the intense agony and anxiety that Jesus was facing, he still looked to the Holy Spirit to find the strength to move forward with God's plan. You know, that passage of Scripture doesn't stop with, Jesus was in great agony over it, and he stood up and left. No, it continues to say that Jesus prayed more earnestly to the Father in heaven than he ever had before, and that God even sent an angel to aid him in his prayer. And you see that as Jesus is going through this situation, he is recognizing the fact that he is anxious. He is asking God, if there's any other way for this to happen, please let that happen. But he follows it up by saying, but your will be done. He follows that by saying, but I will follow you and I will continue to trust you and I will continue to pray to you. And God responds to that by sending the angel to strengthen him, by giving him the help he needs, by guiding him through this. And that's the very Holy Spirit that we have in us. You know, that's the same spirit that Jesus gives to us when we become followers of him. That's the very same strength that we're able to have in our own anxious moments and turn to God and say, God, I recognize the fact that I am anxious right now, but I am asking for your peace in my life so that I can continue to move forward and not let this anxiety trample me, trip me up. That's amazing. I mean, that is amazing just alone right there. And there's even more to this story that we're going to get into in a minute, but just think about that for a second. That's not a quick fix anxiety. That's not the Apple Watch breathing app reminding you to take a minute and pause and reflect on your day. That is a foundational core strength 
that Jesus gifts to us to build a foundation in our lives that we can rely on at all times when we're feeling anxious, when we're feeling stressed, when we're feeling worried. We can turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, give me the strength, give me the peace that brought you through that trial on the Mount of Olives. Give me that strength that God gave to you freely when you asked him, when you were preparing for the crucifixion. Help me through my anxieties. We can ask the Lord that, and he will give to us. That's amazing. The second point here is that peace grants us an opportunity to guide others into spiritual truth. So I'll reread this real quick from the Luke passage I just read. It says, When he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. So after Jesus spent time in prayer, overcoming the anxiety and preparing for the coming crucifixion, he came out to see the disciples and they found him sleeping. Now, I think it's kind of easy to quickly think that the disciples were sleeping because they were just tired. They probably had a long day. They probably walked a lot. And I do bet that they were probably tired. But the Luke passage actually says that the disciples were sleeping for sorrow. That pretty much means that they were so anxious and overcome with sorrow and grief that they decided to sleep it off. That they figured that their best bet would be just to go to bed. We'll just sleep it off, wake up the next day, and deal with it. And I think I've been in many points in my life where I've felt anxious or stressed, and I decided, I'm just going to bed. I'm dealing with this tomorrow. I'm too tired to deal with it. But Jesus is actually telling them, no, rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. I think that directly comes from the fact that Jesus, he was probably pretty tired. I would imagine that that level of anxiety and stress in one's life would make him kind of sleepy. But Jesus, like I just said, he prayed to God for strength to overcome the temptation of anxiety, to walk in his will, to have peace, and God granted him that. And I think Jesus here is saying that to the disciples as well. No, don't sleep it off. Don't ignore your stress. Pray that you may not enter into the temptation of anxiety. Pray that you overcome the sorrow that you're experiencing right now and pray that my Father's will be done. I think that's what Jesus was saying at the end of this passage when he says, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And I think that this is kind of a good representation that, you know, when we face anxiety in our lives, that presents us with an opportunity to share the grace and peace of God with others in our lives. You know, we, our faith, we are a community of believers. We were not designed to be in relation with God we were designed to be in relation with God and his people around us. You know, we are a church. We are relational creatures. We are gathered here today to worship Jesus together. And I think it would be a disservice if when we experience peace, we didn't share that peace with others. Because when we share God's peace with one another, when we share the peace that he has given to us and we share the anxious situation that I was in, but I prayed and God brought me through that anxious situation and landed me in peace when we share that with others, that will give peace to other people. I think sometimes when we're anxious, we tend to think, I am the only one going through this ever in the history of life and nobody out there can understand the pain that I'm going through right now. That is a lie. That is the biggest lie I have ever seen in the world because Really quickly, I started meeting people that have gone through very similar situations that I've been through. And when I opened up and shared things in my life with other people, they responded and they listened and they said, 
yeah, I've been through something like that too. It might not be the exact same situation, but it's similar. You kind of relate with people, you kind of hear them, and you start to think, well, I'm not that alone. I'm not too alone in this. This sin I have in my life is the same sin that this person's struggling with. But this person has overcome this sin, and they're teaching me how to overcome it as well. You know, this is the very piece that Jesus is explaining right here. You know, he went to the disciples and said, hey, come on, wake up, pray like I just did, so that you don't enter into the temptation and you follow God's will, despite the fact that it might be stressful or sorrowful. And I think the more we practice peace and seeking peace, we're going to begin to reflect certain characteristics that reflect a deep-rooted peace. We begin to have a lifestyle where peace is kind of ingrained in us. And that's not to say that we'll never feel anxious again, that stress just magically disappears from our life and we never feel stressed again. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, though, is that peace, it will be easier when we're feeling stressed to look at God and say, God, I'm feeling stressed right now. I'm feeling stressed, but you've given to me peace before. I have that peace rooted underneath me, and I'm going to lean on that peace. I think that's what God is saying. So lastly here, as I was doing some research for this sermon and reading over some things, um, I found a really interesting kind of article I was reading through, and it was talking about aspects of a peaceful life, and I wanted to include that here. So we're going to move into this last section of the sermon here. So as we grow in peace, as we learn about peace, we'll start to have these aspects of a peaceful life within us. So the first type of peace we're going to experience is peace with God. It's the first one we're going to have is peace with God. So I think humans tend to get caught up on our problems and mistakes. I think just about every single person has something in their life that they just get really hung up over. Oh, I wish I didn't do that. I wish I didn't make that mistake. I wish I didn't say that to this person you know, kind of woe is me. But I think that our sinful actions can kind of get us in this attitude of, well, God wouldn't forgive me of that. You know, I'm too, I'm too broken for God right now. You know, I just committed this sin, or there's been this lifestyle I'm living. You know, I'm too broken for God. You know, God wouldn't want a sinner like me. I think this anxiety, I tend to see kind of as an anxiety of our brokenness. Sometimes, it can be really overwhelming as we think about our sin. You know, if you're like me, sometimes I look on my life and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like how could God love a person like me? Like, this is just awful. But when we seek peace, we actually find peace with God at first. So flip back to John 14, 27. Yeah, I'm going to break this verse out again. It's just too good. It says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So when we begin to seek out peace in our life, this is without a doubt the most impactful peace experience we are going to have. In the context of this verse I just read, Jesus is referring to him leaving us the Holy Spirit as a gift. And this gift of the Holy Spirit helps guide us in our life on earth to make the God-honoring choices, guiding us in prayer and daily life. And Jesus describes this as peace. You know, God, like I said earlier, God doesn't sit over here with a checklist making sure we meet all the stipulations to follow him. No, God just wants an honest heart and somebody that honestly serves and loves him. You know, if we have a heart and we come to God and say, God, I know I'm broken. I know that right now my life is kind of a mess, but I want to follow you and I want to earnestly seek you out. God will hear that and God will give you peace with him. 
You know, you don't have to be afraid of God. He's not up in the clouds throwing lightning bolts down, just destroying people. No, God loves you. God cares about you, and he wants to be with you. That isn't to say that God doesn't punish at times or that there are stipulations when you sin, you know, difficulties that may come from the sin, but God desires a relationship with you, and he wants peace with you. You know, you can live in harmony and peace with God when you choose to follow him and love him as your savior. And I think that's the first kind of peace we experience when we seek out a God foundational peace, is that we'll find peace with God as our savior, as our core foundational strength in our life. So secondly, second type of peace we experience is the peace of God. Now, it sounds similar to say peace with God and peace of God, but these are actually two different things. So peace of God is the type of peace that we looked at Jesus experiencing earlier. When Jesus was in the garden, anxious about the coming crucifixion, anxious about having to bear the sins because he was a perfect being. But when he prayed to the when he prayed to God and the angel came down to strengthen him and be in a holy presence with him and give him the confidence and strength to overcome this anxiety, that's peace of God. Peace of God happens when we go to prayer, when we go to God in prayer, and we say, Lord, this is a very anxious situation. This is a very stressful situation, but Lord, I ask you to give me the strength. And you feel that divine strength, the unexplainable strength that makes no sense when you look at the world but you can say, yeah, I'm suffering right now, but everything is good because the Lord is in my life and he is working in my life. That's peace of God. And I think it's easiest to understand when you read Philippians 4, 7, it says that the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Transcends all understanding. We were not designed to understand God fully. We will never be able to understand God fully because he is a being outside of our comprehension. But what I can say is that when you have the peace of God, it feels really good. (laughs) It feels really good to be able to be in that anxious situation and think, wow, this is a really tough situation I'm going through. But man, I feel at peace right now. There's no other way to explain it. And I think when you feel like that, that's the peace of God in you helping you through that situation. So lastly, the final type of peace we experience is peace with people. I'm guessing as soon as I mentioned peace with people, some of you probably thought of a certain person that, oh, they should really listen to what I'm about to say. So Romans 12, 18 says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all people. Oh, it's so hard, isn't it? That's so hard. So hard to live at peace with all people. But I think that what this verse is saying, that we just need to strive and just do our best to be kind and be at peace with people. You know, not a person of decisiveness, not a person that is causing drama or causing issues or difficulties with other people. Even the people that you don't like, even if those people are being difficult towards you, just living at peace with them and just saying, like, you know what, I'm just not going to participate in this drama. You know, I love you, I appreciate you. That's living at peace with people. And I think what's amazing, too, is that sometimes if there's people in your life that are giving you difficulty— and you try your best to live at peace with them, they'll probably respond with peace. They'll probably look at you and say, you know what? Yeah, that's actually a pretty cool person. And that could be a situation where you share God's love with them. It's amazing when we work to just be at peace with all people. This is something the internet should hear me say right now. You know, (laughs) it's hard to live at peace with people. You know, I see social media. I see how it works. 
I hear the conversations as well. It's tough. I'm not going to stand up here and pretend to say that being at peace with people is an easy thing to do, but God does call us to be at peace with all people. God does ask for us to be at peace with everybody, and that is a hard thing to do. But as we work to have peace within us through the fruit of the Spirit, as we work to, as Stephen had shown, stir up the fruit in our hearts, I think it'll be a lot easier to be at peace with people. So I want to close up our time here just sharing with you some of my own experiences with peace. This will go by pretty quick, but as my first time preaching to you all, I think it would be an injustice if I didn't share some of my faith story with you. So when I, was in, when I was growing up, I had two loving parents that were faith-based. They cared a lot about my brother and I, and we lived in a great home. Really nothing more to say about that than I had a very fun growing up. We would go to church, we'd go to youth group. I was connected with people in youth group. I loved the Lord. I was on fire with him when I was in middle and high school. And it's not that that fire like burned away, but I definitely felt a little bit of challenge as I started to grow into an adult because of a little thing called personal responsibility. So while I was in college, I found myself surrounded by a strong faith community. I met a lot of great people there, a lot of really good Christian friends. I ended up being the president of this group for a little bit, and it was truly an amazing experience. And sometimes if you're at a youth group event, you might see me wearing that Campus Ministries t-shirt. I will never get rid of it. However, I will say, though, it may have looked like I had a perfect Christian life, but I also didn't. I felt a little bit of a duality inside of myself. On one hand, I had church and Christian friends and this organization that I was leading, but on the other hand, I had friends that weren't Christian, a relationship that wasn't necessarily God-founded. And sometimes there's this kind of pull, you know, was I going to follow God in this situation, or was I going to go in the worldly sense? And I think that happens to all of us, but I definitely felt that in my life, going through my time in undergrad college. And a lot of the times, I felt kind of anxious. The world enticed me, but then I also felt the pull of the Lord saying, no, 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 come back, come on, like, come back to me, come back to me. So in the spring of 2020, the news was talking about this little thing called COVID-19, I was just kind of like, huh, okay. And I went to my classes. I heard some people talking about it in the campus center. You know, it really wasn't anything too crazy until it came to North Canton. And there was one case, then there's two, then there's 50, then there's 200. And then my classes got shut down. Professors didn't really know what was going on. And I was just kind of chilling at home, just like, hey, this is a really interesting time of life. I remember my campus minister calling me, asking how I was doing. And I told him I was fine. I was just really confused. Like, what's happening right now? But what I didn't notice was that during this quarantine time away from a lot of my friends, a lot of the distractions in my life, I realized that I was actually talking with God quite often. I actually found myself just kind of conversing with him in prayer, just kind of going over things. I remember working at McDonald's, flipping burgers, just kind of talking with God, because there wasn't really that much to do at that time. And what God revealed to me was that actually the state of my heart was not really where he wanted it to be. See, God told me that what I needed in my life was peace with God, peace of God, peace with his people around me, because I really wasn't living in a way where God was my savior, where God was my number one. I really wasn't doing that. And as I prayed over God to help me through that, what ended up happening was that I took one step into his grace 
I took one bold move and decided, you know, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to let go of some things. I'm going to move forward. And what happened was completely unimaginable. There were things that happened in my life that summer that was unexplainable and could only be found by God giving me peace. I didn't win a million dollars. I didn't get a fully loaded Tesla. I didn't get a super expensive computer that could play all the games I wanted to. No, 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 I didn't get anything like that. But what I got was peace. What I got was a Savior that loves me. What I received was kindness from my faith community, opening their arms and welcoming me back fully and embracing me. And that's not to say that my life is perfect. There's still times I feel anxious. There's still times that I worry about the future. There's still sins I struggle with. I'm not going to stand up here and pretend that my life is perfect, hunky-dory, everything is great, thumbs up. But what I am saying is that I trusted God, and I said, God, I'm not going to be anxious anymore because I'm making decisions based off of my actions. But God, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to walk with you through life. That was the game changer right there. Because what I felt was a relief from anxiety of trying to do everything myself. And what I felt was God granting me the very peace that he granted Jesus in the garden. So at the bottom of your paper, there's a little reflective thought. It says that no matter our level of anxiety, we all have something that's going to give us anxiety. We all have something that's giving us concern. I can think of a couple things right now in my own life that is giving me a little bit of anxiety. But what I want you guys to think about and kind of dwell on this week as you're going through the daily motions of life, as you're spending time in prayer, you're out walking in this 95-degree Ohio heat, I want you guys just to think about that. Just, just pick one thing. Just pick one thing in your life that's giving you a little bit of anxiety and just give it to the Lord. Just go to God in prayer and just give it to God and just say, God, I'm not going to worry about this anymore. I'm not going to stress over this anymore. I, God, I'm just giving this to you and I'm just going to trust you with it. And that might be hard to do at first. It was hard when I had to do it, and it's still hard as I continually have to do it. But if we earnestly give our afflictions and anxiety to God, he will replace that with peace. And that is something worth doing. So if you want to learn more about what peace looks like, you can text the word CONNECT to 330-400-2869. Thank you for putting that up there. I cannot remember numbers very easily. Text CONNECT at 330-400-2869. That will not give you peace, but it will give you somebody that could share peace with you. Like I was saying earlier, peace with people. That will give somebody you can talk to, connect with us, learn more about peace, learn more about the fruit of the Spirit, and ultimately learn more about Jesus. So let me close in prayer, and you guys will be dismissed. Father, I praise you for all the wonderful things you do in our life. Lord, I pray over this congregation that you can just grant us your peace as we continue in our daily walk with you. Lord, I pray that the peace will just wash over these people, wash over ourselves, and that we're also able to share it with our friends and family and hope to lead them in your steps. Father, thank you for this day, and I pray that the rest of this Sunday goes well for everybody. Amen. Thank you guys for being here. So excited to see you all. Have a great rest of your Sunday.